listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 151 of the Testudo Times Podcast, the March Madness, or probably March Sadness edition of this show. Before we get into all of the very sad things about Maryland basketball, because no one feels good right now about the program, we'll focus on the women where we'll feel a little bit more excited, although even there there's something to say about that. Uh, pour one out for our good friends at the Bojangles Network, Raycom Sports. You all remember it because for eons we had to watch Maryland games on random stations across the D.C. and Baltimore area or wherever you might be because Raycom was a syndicator and they just produced their last game on TV last uh, Saturday was the ACC tournament final. They're gone now forever. Uh, they graduated at the ACC to basic cable like Maryland did five years ago. So uh, pour one out for the Bojangles Network. Uh, Thomas, you did not go to school when Maryland was playing on the Bojangles Network. I did. And I remember having to go run around to find games there. But uh, it's a sad day. Because that's a part of Maryland sports history that is now no longer available to us, except on YouTube. Yeah, it was still a fun sort of hobby trying to find, you know, which random channel this pretty important college basketball game was going to be on. Um, we, You know, we had that through all, all of this year. And the fun part was even, you know, the really big games like the Duke Carolina games were also on Raycom in addition to being on like ESPN. Yes. Yeah, so, so that, had, that, that, that was fun to watch. Cash one of them. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it was not a Duke Carolina game unless you're watching it on the Bojangles Network sponsored by your Carolina Ford stores. Those are memories I think that Maryland fans might shudder at, but it was part of Maryland basketball and Maryland football history forever. And it's now going away to be replaced by a cable network you probably won't have. You certainly won't have it at the Maryland dorms, but you won't have to worry about that next year because you're graduating. Wherever you'll go, maybe you'll have the ACC network. Not like you're going to watch it. I barely watch BTN outside of the games, to be honest with you. Uh, Justin... I don't know if you have any memories of the Bojangles Network. You know, not really. I mean, as everyone likes to tell me on Twitter, you know, I don't remember the true greatness of Gary Williams. My memories are just, you know, mediocre Maryland teams losing to Boston College and Georgia Tech on the Bojangles Network. You know, that's my true Maryland basketball memory. Uh, hey, I mean, I barely remember Maryland basketball before I went to school. I mean, I remember them losing to Michigan State on a buzzer beater in 2010, but beyond that, I don't remember much. But I'm a sports broadcasting geek, so there's plenty of Raycom broadcasts on YouTube if you want to watch them. I mean, they're not going to take them down. And they're not going away. They're just producing games for the ACC network that is now on ESPN. But there's something special about you know syndicated, over-the-air college basketball games that look as if they were produced on a shoestring, which they really aren't, but it looks like they were. I've got a little soft spot in my heart for that, as opposed to ESPN creating the ACC version of the SEC network, which is indistinguishable from anything else. I don't think I've ever watched the SEC network, but, you know, maybe we're talking about this because I am a sports broadcasting geek, but also I don't really want to talk about Maryland basketball right now. Thankfully, at least for your sake, Thomas, they announced Maryland's opponents early in the night of the show, as opposed to two years ago when they were the last team announced pretty much. At least it saved you some of the headache of thinking about where they're going and, uh, well, having to think about them for more than 15 seconds after what happened on Thursday. Yeah, and, and I remember uh, the two years ago when that happened, you know, throughout it, 
Ryan Connors had the Twitter at the time, and he's like, so looks like Maryland's going to be in the West region. And, you know, all the tweets were very incessantly Maryland's going. And there were some people, Maryland at the time was 24 and, you know, had finished tied second in the Big Ten, but had just lost in the Big Ten tournament. And everyone, we we got a ton of mentions that are like, they're missing the tournament. And we we missed those this year because they were announced early. So that was a headache uh, that we didn't have. Well, I don't think that they would have been out of place to say that. <laughs> Got to be honest with you. <laughs> kind of felt like, yeah. didn't it? My, my favorite, though, was like, you know, we, we post some bracketology stuff between Thursday and Sunday. And every time we posted something, everyone in our mentions said, actually, they're going to be like three seats lower, which, of course, they weren't. And they were actually a six. I thought they were probably going to be a seven. I said on this podcast last week, I didn't think there was much of a way they were going to drop a seed line. Turned out I was wrong. I didn't check bracketology after Thursday. I barely watched college basketball after Thursday. It's kind of a lie I did, but I was thinking about other things. And then I, when I checked in on bracketology, I went, oh, oh, that's not good. And then they ended up being the second highest six seed. So they didn't drop really all that far, which might mean they weren't all that high to begin with. I don't remember where Wisconsin was on the S-curve, but we're never going to be higher than them. So I don't actually think they really had that far to fall, to be honest with you. Whatever the case may be, uh, they got it out of the way early. And, uh, Dustin, we have to talk briefly about what happened Thursday, although I don't think we want to. Uh, One of my remote controls was sacrificed to the gods of sports anger on Thursday, having to watch that nonsense. But, uh, you know, I I don't think Maryland fans want to relitigate that game. We'll talk more about it in some other terms in a second, but... uh, Yeah, that was bad Maryland showing up. And we thought, well, once the Penn State game passed, bad Maryland went away. Well, bad Maryland never wholly goes away, but I didn't think it was going to be all bad Maryland against a team that had seven players. But it showed up, and it was bad. Yeah, there's not really much you can say to sugarcoat what happened, especially when, you know, look, Nebraska, not only do they have seven guys with six scholarship players, three of whom I'm pretty sure – played all 40 minutes the night before, one of whom scored 34 points, James Palmer, who has had some good games against Maryland in the past, but still, you know, I get, you know, you don't know who you're playing, but it shouldn't matter when that team has six scholarship players left, just had to grind out a win against a Rutgers team that makes everyone grind out wins. And for whatever reason, they've had games before where they haven't hit shots, but the defense has kind of kept them in it. That didn't happen in this one. They kind of let the fact they missed shots and settled in the zone really affect their defense. I just remember thinking about how Jalen Smith just had a really poor first half on the defensive end. Never got Bruno Fernando involved, partially the coach's fault, partially I think on him too. He didn't really look to drive, got very frustrated early with the double team and just not a good, not a good day for Maryland. Even when they went in a run, they never – really made Nebraska feel super threatened at the end of the day. Just got beat by a more experienced undermanned team. Was probably playing for a little more considering Tim Miles still has a job, but who knows how long that's going to last. I I was amazed that their AD released a statement that said, we'll wait to see what Nebraska's fate is in the tournaments. I don't think they got into any of them. I don't think they were in the NIT. And it's like, really? Maryland just saved Tim Miles' job? They're in it. They're in the NIT. They're in the NIT. Mm-hmm. So Maryland just gave Nebraska, seven-man Nebraska, a trip to the NIT. Yes. That's the biggest gift Maryland basketball's given, I don't know, in a decade? 
Yeah, given any. Give all, well, given anybody, certainly the people who follow this team. I mean, I try not to be, you know, a aggressive fan when you talk about Maryland because I do feel like, even though I host this podcast and we're all Maryland fans in the end, we're all current students or alums, so we all like the school. I try to be as objective as possible, but watching that game, you can't be objective. That was awful. And, you know, we thought that Maryland had some stinkers, and I thought, you know what, maybe the clunkers are gone. I mean, Thomas, like, that's the last memory of this team before you go into the NCAA tournament. What was otherwise a pretty successful season? None of that matters anymore if you look at any Maryland fan talking about the team in the last three days. I mean, you look at what happened on the selection show and the comments on Twitter. I mean, you'd think the team was what? You'd think the team would just went 10 games under 500. Yeah, or, or, or you'd think they had lost like five, six in a row. You know, as it stands, they've lost three out of four, which isn't good. But, you know, one of those was to Michigan. And they had the stinker at Penn State, the stinker at Nebraska. So to have those two, you know, in pretty close proximity, that, that's what a lot of people's, you know, that's what's in a lot of people's heads when they think about the team right now. And in reality, you know, the team realistically is in better position than that. And it's in a somewhat favorable NCAA tournament draw, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it can be certainly hard for fans to be confident. I, I, I can really guess where the players are at. I, I think they're in a lot of different places confidence-wise. I, I have no idea where they're at. I mean, I would encourage them not to look at Twitter for the next three days. That would be my first piece of advice. You shouldn't really look at Twitter anyway if you're a player because there's a lot of people on the, on the Internet who really don't have any sense of, you know, tact, I think is the word I'll use as opposed to others that I could say, but this is a family show, so I'm not going to quite use those words. But uh, let's talk about this draw for a second. Now, every year there is a team from the first four that wins in the first round. It's normally not a 16, so it's normally one of the last four in in the back end of the bubble. The other teams are Arizona State and St. John's. They're playing MAC champion Buffalo, who's very good. So I would think if you're going to have a team from the first four that's going to win, you might think that's coming against Maryland. And a couple of the teams that Maryland had ended up getting drawn against are perhaps bad matchups. Uh, I'll focus first on Belmont. I used last week Murray State as an example. How about we go to the one team over? And this is the exact kind of team that Maryland played in 2015 against Valpo and 2016 against South Dakota State. They're almost identical. They're not identical in terms of the way they play, but it just feels the same way. Those years, I think Maryland fans thought, you know what, we have a creeping sense of dread in the back of our heads that it could happen, but we're pretty confident that it won't. This year, I haven't seen any Maryland fans say they're going to win. I, I, I mean, I don't normally look at what most Maryland fans say because sometimes it could become a cartoon of itself, but I don't think any Maryland fan, even people like me who are willing to give Mark Turgeon more rope, I don't think many people right now, Thomas, are thinking Maryland's going to win, no matter who they play. The f- funniest thing is that a lot of national people actually like Maryland. Like it's, John Rothstein, I think, has going to the Elite Eight. It's ironic, right, that this is happening. Well, first of all, John Rothstein is the This Is March guy. I mean, I, he's not a bad writer, but how much do you take what he says seriously when he's the guy that coined that awful phrase that you see on Twitter every 10 seconds during March Madness? How do you, how do you have Maryland beating Michigan State, like, that's what because I don't get. they're playing a home game, Justin. So they played a home game last year in Michigan State. Similarly talented team, Maryland more talented. 
Michigan State's still more experienced, something to prove after going out early two years with good teams. I don't see it happening, but well, let, that's just let, me. Let's, let's go one step at a time here. It's odd. I mean, Clinton Yates was on Around the Horn and said Maryland's going to lose. I mean, he's in D.C. He probably sees what's happening right now in the Maryland fan space. But, uh, I mean, Belmont as a matchup, i got to be honest. I mean, I'm not tipping my hand to anything that I'm picking in my bracket other than if it's Belmont, I'm picking Belmont. I'm also picking Belmont to beat the 16 because we'll get to LSU in a second. But, I mean, that matchup for Maryland is just terrible because they play great on offense. And, uh, Maryland, if you go dry against a team like Belmont, good luck. You're not stopping them. Now, they don't necessarily have a way to defend against the bigs, which I guess helps Maryland if they could get their bigs involved. But, I mean, a team that executes offensively like they do is a team that always is going to play well against Maryland because you know at some point in the game Maryland's going to go three to four minutes without making a field goal, right? I mean, we'll like, Belmont is not a very good defensive. They're 120 in Ken Palm in that regard, and they're 20th on offense, which is slightly ahead of uh, where Maryland is. So, you know, what you really have to hope is on offense, you, you – can get your bigs involved and they don't have like whatever nebraska figured out um to slow down Bruno i Fernando. don't think those are really hard things to figure out no but at the same time like it took if that if it's that simple it wouldn't have taken 31 games for someone to have it work the way it did but it, i mean for maryland that's what you have to hope for is you have to hope you can get the bigs involved and you have to hope that you actually, yeah, I mean, they, it's not a game where they'll be able to afford a really slow, you know, start on offense because Belmont's a team that will put up points. And, of, of course, we we say this as, like, it's definitely going to be Belmont. As much as we're talking about it, it's probably going to be Temple. And it's going to be the funniest thing ever for Temple to, like, just, A, not, you know, knock the football team down, like, four pegs in one season and, you know, eliminate the basketball Team I was going to say, year. like, normally I'd throw Temple to the Wolves because they lost in their opening game in the AAC. They're a good team, but not a great team. And, you know, they're a middling team in the American. They, they got in probably because the tournament committee felt sad that it's Fran Dunphy's last season. And, I, I mean, I live outside of Philadelphia. I know a good deal about Temple basketball, and it's not that program. But, I mean, when I saw it was Temple, I'm like, oh, that, that might not be that terrible if it's not Belmont. And I'm like, oh, wait. I remember what happened in September with the football team. I don't want to have this happen again, so it's lose lose. God, it would be it would be such an incredible revenge game, but I mean, hey, I mean, I you'd love it to be like that, but it's I mean, it's different sports, and you know that always ends up happening. But also, I mean, Patrick Kraft was apparently what number two to get the AD job that went to Damon Evans. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's why it's all happening at this point. <laughs> No, fun fact, it's really happening because they're still mad at me that I didn't go there. Temple was probably like my number two choice behind Maryland. Well, let me be honest. I have a lot of friends that go to Temple. I texted one of them immediately, and I, and I said as, as a joke, your team doesn't belong in the tournament, and let's be honest. Like, did they really? Would you have rather had UNCG in the tournament over Temple? I probably would have, but I'm not a bracketologist. Uh, that team is different than Belmont. I mean, on paper, they're less scary. But, I mean, I'm no less scared of playing them because, as obviously, as we said before, the Temple history in our heads is not good history for Maryland. So, I mean, in terms of Thomas, in terms of just an actual matchup, they've got good guards. Fran Dunphy teams always do. Uh, they're not 
great in terms of their bigs, but they're a solid team. I mean, they beat Houston. They're one of the three teams this season that beat them. You know, that takes some doing. They're not a bad team. And I still think Maryland is going to have trouble playing them, even though I think it's probably an easier matchup than Belmont is. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that. And I, I'll say this really for both of those matchups. They're matchups that if Maryland plays well, Maryland will beat them. But Maryland has not played well with any consistency, and that's that's where the problem is. We know what their like, highs that, look that's like. as much as I've got. We know what their highs look like. We know they could beat anybody on their day if they play at their best. But we know that they could also throw in complete clunkers with regularity if they play their worst. And I don't know what's going to show up because I think Justin. The other thing is, you look at this team since they moved to the Big Ten. Mark Turgeon's five and eight in winner take all games. That's two and five in the Big Ten tournament, and he's three and three in the NCAA tournament. That's not good. And I'm not even including ACC tournament and the NIT in 2013. At best, he's at 500 in these winner-take-all games. That's a problem. And, you know, we, we talked about it. Oh, they want to get some revenge. This team is feeling more confident now. They have the experience after what happened last year. Some of these players do. And then they look exactly the same as they do in another winner-take-all game. They haven't won a winner-take-all game in three years. That's a huge problem. And therefore, when you go into a game like this, and even if national writers think Maryland's going to win, there's nobody around the program right now who probably except the guys in the locker room that think they're going to win as well. Because, I mean, after the evidence, how can you blame anybody for thinking that? No, I mean, you're exactly right. It's very hard to you know, look at the way Maryland played and be confident. I know I think I saw a stat that, you know, think of the last eight teams that have won the national title, only two have won their conference tournament. So conference tournament success doesn't always mean postseason success, but the way it happens when you lay an egg like that against the team, you've already beaten twice this year. It just really, it's, it's that it's also the fact that like we talked about earlier, I mean, you look at Arizona state and St. John's, I think do have the potential to win two if they win the first four, but they've been so inconsistent that it's very hard to pick them. Whereas Belmont and temple have been pretty solid all year and seem to kind of fit that, fit that profile of a team that comes from the first four and makes an upset. And I just like to point out that temples guard is a leading scorer. He's six, four. His name is shiz Alston. If, there's not a name that's better for March in this tournament, especially for a team as low as Temple. There probably isn't. That's, so it's, it's Maryland Philly, going up Philly. against a... It's, it's the only Phillier thing that could have happened is his name was John. It's the only thing, G-A-W-N, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're not from Yes, I, I do know what you're I know you do, about. but I mean, not everybody here is from the area or, you know, has lived in the area as long as I have. It's, it's very so, Philly. I guess one last thing. If you can't see Maryland going against a guy named Shiz who drops 40 on them, like, <laughs> that happens in March. Like, you can't tell also, me that. Like, Belmont's got a lot happen. of 6'7", 6'8", white guys, and they always kill Maryland. That's happened for years, and Belmont's but full of them. The X factor, I think, for Belmont is their center, Nick Mazinski, is a freshman. I think he's a Ohio Valley freshman of the year. Missed the final against Murray State. Practice today was kind of rusty. So that's the only thing that I think, if you look deep in the matchup, could give you a glimmer of hope is that a rusty freshman center trying to guard both Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith. That's the only kind of glimmer of hope, I think. Well, I mean, if you aren't going to be fatalistic, it's 
a glimmer of hope, I guess. But, uh, like, but here's the funny thing. Like, if it wasn't that Maryland had just completely laid it against Nebraska, we'd be talking about, Thomas, how this draw is actually kind of not bad. Because if they beat Belmont or Temple, whoever it is, uh, I'd be much more likely to pick Belmont than Temple over Maryland, although I'm still probably at this point picking either of them. And if you're doing that as a Maryland fan, you're filling out a bracket, it's a win-win. Either your bracket does well or Maryland does well. You can't possibly lose. Uh, they then play LSU, probably, who is in complete and total chaos. And if there's any of the three seeds you'd want to play, and it's not like the three line's great this year, but, I mean, I'm not scared of LSU. I'm much more terrified of Belmont right now than I am of LSU because LSU, is. I watched them play against Florida. It was a close game, but they don't look anything like they looked all this year, and you can't blame them. They're just in the middle of having their coach being investigated by the FBI. So if Maryland can get through that, there's an opportunity here to play Sweet 16 games in Washington. They get home games, even if they might not beat the two teams they would have to play in Washington. But the, the chance is there for this to be a really fun march when there haven't been many fun marches in College Park in, well, I don't know, a decade. Yeah, so the, the potential is there. And LSU is about as favorable a matchup as you could get on the three lines because of everything you just said. I think Maryland defensively is one of the few teams that like has any chance in hell of stopping Nas Reed, who's LSU's super duper fresh. Um, they want, you know, they, they've been injured and they obviously don't have Will Wade right now. They're coming off a quarter final loss. Um, I mean, th like they're on reasonable three fourteen upset watch against Yale who like has somewhat of an NBA prospect on its team and scored like 97 in the Ivy League final. So they're an interesting team as well. But, I mean, even then, like, if it wasn't for the fact that Maryland lost the way they did, let's say that they haven't, not losing that game would have meant they probably would have stayed as a five seed, so it's all hypothetical. But, I mean, the narrative about this team would have been, hey, they could possibly play Sweet 16 games at home. And no one's thinking about that right now. I mean, people are thinking about it, but I think most, most every, you know, it's, it's the second thought. It's not, well, no matter who they played, I feel like a lot of people would have just picked them to be upset, um, well, which is let's, let's honestly honest. kind of reasonable. It, it is reasonable, but let's be honest. A lot of Maryland fans and their criticisms of Mark Turgeon, let's throw Thursday out for a second. It's kind of cartoonish. It's kind of a caricature of a Maryland fan. It's kind of ridiculous, some of the criticism that he gets, and a lot of it comes from a legitimate place, but he's become so overblown and overwrought that it feels like it's coming out of a daytime soap opera if they actually cared about college basketball coaches. But, I mean, I, I can't blame them right now. I, I think most Maryland fans, as I said, like even when they were playing Valpo and South Dakota State, everyone was like, oh, God, I have this creepy sense of dread they're going to lose, and they didn't. But I even saw somebody was like, oh, Maryland's not going to show up for this game. They're going to take this game off mentally, and I'm like, what? I mean, again, I don't know where the thought came from, but that's kind of where the Maryland fans are at this point. And again, I, just, I really can't blame them because right now the program's in a bit of a mess because of how they're entering the tournament. But I, I have to talk now, Thomas, and there's no way we can avoid it. And I know we don't really want to talk about it, but we have to. There has not been this much heat on Mark Turgeon's seat in a long time. And if they go out on Thursday and they lose, the talk about him getting fired is going to be louder than it's ever been. He's kind of Rasputin-esque in how he's gotten away with a couple of times when it looked like he could be fired, and he got away with it. Mellow Trimble saved him once. 
He's had a couple of other seasons where it looked like he was going to be in some trouble and found a way to get out of it. However, if he loses this one, if Maryland loses this one, there is going to be a lot of talk about him getting fired. That's going to be the talk around the Maryland basketball program for about six months. He's not going to get fired this offseason. The buyout's too big, and there's a lot of other things going on at the athletic department right now that would probably preclude them from doing so. But it's going to be the talk around the program for six months if they lose. And it would all be legitimate for the first time in a while. Then we would end up starting our season previews next year talking about is Mark Turner going to be able to save his job? Yeah, I mean, I think legitimately there, there's a non-zero chance that he's probably gone if they lose. Just the it'll it'll be that loud. Um, you know, he hears it. Damon Evans can't not hear it at this point. Um, you know, attendance dipped this year, even as good as the team was, and it's it, it's it's been this interesting sort of conundrum for a while. I will have like a full column on it if I need to uh, later this week. But as you said, there it's a big buyout, and he has put a talented young core together that looks like it will mostly be together next year and his his teams since he's been here just there hasn't been a lot of continuity and so this is the first i guess chance but also like he's had eight years and they haven't reached what i think a lot of maryland fans want to reach and he hasn't shown that he's definitely going to get them there it's definitely interesting it's not you know an easy choice money or um but the chatter will be the chatter is pretty loud right now. Like we haven't posted nearly as much about Maryland being in the NCAA tournament as we'd want to, because it would just make um, the comment section would go completely berserk. No, I mean, not even comments, just like Twitter and Facebook, just everyone, everyone's mad. Like that's not, that's not what you want. It's March. It's fun. Well, have you, have you seen Maryland before Thomas? <laughs> it's, I mean, this was the talk a couple of years ago. Like, they're a five seed when they have all this talent, and they still made the Sweet 16. And I don't think many Maryland fans would tell you that was a, a successful season, even though I think it was. Uh, Justin, I then have to ask this question, which is the next question from Mark Church's job status, is what would it take for him to quash some of that concern? I think that, obviously, if they lose, there's going to be a lot of chatter, and it's going to be impossible to not hear it. If they win a game, I think he gets back to status quo antebellum, to use a historical and war term, if he wins two, it lessens by the number of wins. I mean, Jeff Ehrman joked that all he has to do for Mark Turgeon to get everyone back on his side is, you know, sort of beat Michigan State and Duke and go to the Final Four. Don't think it's like that. I don't think there are going to be Maryland fans that will defend Mark Turgeon anyway. But, I mean, like, I think he has to win at least one. I don't know if he's got to win more than one, but I think he's got to win at least one just to get a stay. I think it honestly depends everything does in March by the matchups. Like, you know, Maryland beats Belmont or Temple. Okay. And if they beat Yale to go to the Sweet 16, is anyone going to really, is that really going to move anyone? I mean, they beat South Dakota, say, in Hawaii to go to the Sweet 16 last time. That didn't really move a lot of people. And I just think the funny thing is about all this, if you had told Maryland fans at the beginning of the year, you know, they finished fifth in the Big Ten, be a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament, Everyone would have said, okay, yeah, that's fine. But because of the way Maryland seasons tend to happen, where you have this promise and like a lot of teams, especially young ones, 
don't fulfill that promise. You combine it with the fact that the only acceptable coach for most Maryland fans is someone who sweats through his suits and has said he's never going to coach again. It just kind of creates this environment that is kind of hard to survive in. Like anything you do, people are just going to say you're not Gary Williams and not a lot of people are. And can I, can I don't I say know. something that I wasn't going to mention on this podcast, but I did mention it. I asked on Thursday on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, at Matt's Musings 1, if you don't follow me on Twitter for random Maryland-related things and other rambles, uh, I asked, uh, who would you want to replace Mark Turgeon if hypothetically he was fired? Which is something I think that is reasonable to ask people. If you're asking for Mark Turgeon to be fired, you need to come out with replacements. Isn't that normal? Isn't that what you would do if you're asking for a coach to be fired? I think it is. So I went and asked some of the people, and the answers were just hilarious. I mean, some of the answers, I don't know how many of them were jokes, although somebody did say, somebody was like, I mean, somebody said Ryan Odom, I mean, probably as a joke. You know, anyway, the point is, like, I don't know what the the expectation is for Maryland fans and something like that, but it is something that I always think about. When it comes to it. So now I have to ask Thomas, as we have spent 30 minutes talking about the men, we need to get to talk about the women, too. Uh, we don't want to short shrift them. I mean, I, I think most Maryland fans are picking them to lose. And, I mean, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a death spiral. I mean, if they lose, then we're going to be spending the next six months talking about Mark Turgeon's job status. I mean, if he was to be fired in a hypothetical situation, it would be the best job open. That it's better than A&M. It's better than UCLA right now, who's in a worse place than Maryland is. It's the only other power six job open is washington state and who gives a crap about that so you're not gonna exactly lose are we are we gonna i can't let you just say the maryland job is better than ucla it, it is it, right now it is it's not it is it is not it is it's not I'm, I'm sorry like would you rather right now start with what you could start with at maryland next year or build ucla up from scratch I'm, if you I'm gave sorry. me a five-year contract i'm taking ucla I, yeah, so I, I mean, both teams have fickle fans, but most UCLA has more resources. They'll get behind you more. Will they? I I, I saw what if happened you, with Steve Alford. I, I don't agree with that assessment, but I, I really don't agree with that assessment. But it, it doesn't really matter because Mark Turge is not getting fired no matter what happens in this game. Although, maybe it'll be another prediction of mine that goes wrong. So, uh, Thomas, what then do you think happens? I think we all think Maryland's going to lose. I think everybody who's predicting them is going to lose. If you are looking at it from taking all of the negative Maryland stuff out of it, do you think Maryland is going to win Thursday? And then how many games do you think they are going to win? I think it's possible they can make the Sweet 16. It's very possible if they play at their best. But then they could also get embarrassed on Thursday. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, like, I'm picking it, and I'm picking the upset just – because it feels like I should um, as someone who's objective and watched how Maryland played on Thursday and knows that Belmont is 28 and five and has been really good all season. But if Maryland plays well, it can and honestly maybe should make the sweet 16. It's a pretty favorable. And I don't, I don't know how winning even two tournament games would change fans beliefs of the season or probably less so turgeon because they've you know they've had eight years to get to have, find something to be mad at him about but you know there's it's how the ncaa tournament works there's a lot of possibilities 
you know, you are you get up to six games depending on how many of them you win. That's how much of a success your whole season, and that's it's tough, but it's it's the business. It is the business, but I will say this: the Turgeon opinions might not change, but the opinion of Turgeon from the people that matter might, depending on how many wins there are. That's that's still what I believe. Again, I could yes. be entirely wrong, but that's what I think. If he gets one, he probably gets a stay. If there's zero, then there's going to be a lot of talk that Damon Evans can't ignore. If there's two, the talk probably cools off at least until they do the same thing next year. Just that's like that's kind of where going. I'm at. I mean, it, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy until something happens, rightly or wrongly. Maryland makes the Elite Eight Final Four or Turgeon gets fired. But that's that's Maryland basketball. After you've been here for all your time and you've covered the program for two years, I think you kind of get how it works by now. Justin, uh, if you're being objective, if you're taking Maryland out of it, bad and good, uh, how many games do you think they win? Um, I, like Thomas, also think that they're going to be upset, especially if the matchup is Belmont. But like he said, and I tweeted it last night, this is a good draw. I mean, you don't have to travel far. The three seed you're playing as I look at it right now, is probably the three seed. That's the most shaky. You maybe have Purdue kind of on the same shaky grounds, but oh, personally... Oh, Purdue doesn't have a coach under investigation by the FBI. So. Yeah, but I'm saying in terms of Purdue's kind of overachieved, but that's the tangent we don't need to go down. But like I kind of agree with Thomas where I think CNMRL played Thursday. I think the upset is more likely, but I could also see if this team plays up to its potential it can get to the sweet 16 and set up a really interesting matchup in dc but i think too if maryland beats this gets to the sweet 16 by beating belmont and yale no one's minds are really going to change if you beat belmont and lsu i think people will be more happy with that so it all just depends honestly on how it happens but back to original question me as someone who's covered the team all year I don't see them winning this first game, but I do see getting the Sweet 16 is definitely a possibility that's bigger than more people are thinking about. I mean, it, it is. It's a possibility. And then you're playing games in Washington. Even though you're probably playing against Michigan State, I mean, all the angry Maryland fans, whatever they're saying, if Maryland's playing Sweet 16 games in Washington, they're all going to go. I might even go to that. I mean, wouldn't you? Anyway. I mean, I, I would, but Duke is also in the region. You're going to have to pay $5,000 to sit in Section 300. I mean, you may, but then again, I mean, they are single-ticketed sessions. That's be, that's, you're right, but again, Maryland fans would go to that. They'd pay for it because they never had a Sweet 16 appearance in Washington. They went to the ones in Louisville a couple of years ago. Anyway, let's not get down that road anymore. You'll be able to follow all the stuff from Testudo Times. Everybody's going down to Jacksonville. My friends down there in Duval, my second city, as you know, I kind of root for the other team that is a professional team in that city, and they give me just as much heartache as the, as the Maryland Terrapins do. Uh, before you do, though, gentlemen, uh, if we go down if you're going down to Jacksonville or you're going to a bar to watch on Thursday afternoon on True TV, hope you know where that channel is on your cable listings. If you don't, you might not be able to watch the game. Uh, remember, Fortunately, you'll be watching Belmont Temple on a Tuesday night, so you have time. I'll be watching. I'll be watching some sort of hockey instead. I can't subject myself to that already. I'm, I'm sorry. You don't want to watch NC Central? No, okay. not really. I got to be honest with you. Now the good All news right. is, if Maryland does lose, 
to Belmont or Temple, which is likely. At least will sound good because it'll be called by Iron Eagle. Could be worse. Yes, that is correct. Iron Eagle is very, very good. And you know if Bruno Fernando has a big dunk, then he'll have a great call for it because he's one of the best in the business. Anyway, there is one other thing you need to do before you uh, gird yourself for very likely heartbreak on Thursday afternoon, and that is join the Testudo Times Bracket Challenge. Thomas, details. Yes. The Bracket Challenge is back. We are on Yahoo again, just like last few years. By the time you're listening to this, the story will be... The, the article that includes the link to that will be up. We're also going to just hyperlink it in this post here. Join us. It's free. I don't remember what we're doing as a prize. I think we just kind of shout you out on the podcast and we put one of your fan posts, you know, your sort of thank you fan post on the front. Um, That's kind of just how we do it. Well, you also get to prove but, you're smarter than everybody. Yeah, that's, that's the most important thing is you get to prove that you're smarter than us. And you should actually be in charge of the site <laughs> well, because you're so smart. Well, last year, I think I finished second or third. Yeah, and I, I sucked. I, uh, I had Arizona winning last year, and I cannot make that mistake again no, this year, can't. which is nice. No, you can't. Uh, I think that this year it's going to be harder to get a national title pick wrong. There's a lot of good teams, but let's not, let's not tip our hands as to what we've uh, – might be deciding to pick because I think we've already kind of done that with one matchup. Uh, let's focus on the women. There was another circus going on today, and if you weren't following this, I'll, I'll let you in. Uh, it seems that ESPN accidentally leaked the bracket themselves earlier in the day before they were, you know, showing the selection show. They were supposed to show it at 7 on ESPN. They were rerunning their old bracketology shows on ESPNU. This was like at noon. It's something only I would notice because I'm unemployed. But somebody noticed that they accidentally because on the sidebars they'll show here are the men's matchups and when they announce the women they'll show the women's matchups but they show the women's matchups at like one o'clock in the afternoon and people were like oh wait espn just accidentally leaked its own bracket reveal and then somebody posted on twitter and then espn moved up the bracket release show to five o'clock because they realized oops well they screwed it up so that was ironic and kind of hilarious because we all remember what happened when the bracket leaked like four or five years ago with the men but this was ESPN leaking it and ruining their own selection show for the women, uh, which was kind of funny, which meant they had to show the selection show two separate times. I did not realize the selection show was taped until I saw that. Kind of hilarious to think about it. Anyway, uh, the upshot of it is Maryland is a three seed. We did not really uh, expect much different, Thomas. They are playing Radford in another continuation of teams Maryland plays in one sport might come back to haunt them in another. Radford was men's basketball back in December. It'll be the women's first opponent on Saturday at 11 a.m. Blame ESPN for the start time for that uh, at the Xfinity Center. And if they win, they'll play UCLA or Tennessee, who did find a way to get into the tournament. They have not missed a women's tournament, Tennessee, and they were very, very close to missing it this year. Uh, and then if they win, they're in the Albany region, so they get to play in the UConn Invitational by playing UConn, who is not a one seed for the first time since 2006. Yeah, UConn, except... You know, it's not like they haven't had like a one seed quality season. They're thirty one and two. Their only loss are to one, one seeds in the tournament, Baylor and Louisville, who's the one seed in this region. So, yeah, I mean, and that's that's a region that they put in because UConn fans would travel. It's like when they had one in Bridgeport a few years ago. I actually went to that one, and it was it was all UConn fans at the Maryland Oregon game. It was. It's not what you want. And so, you know, 
it'll basically be a road game in the NCAA tournament if 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 Maryland even gets that far. Obviously, a couple of years, you know, two of the last three years haven't even made it to the Sweet 16. Now, the difference um, is last year they were on the road and they weren't as deep. The other year, I know what year you're referring to because uh, you were covering that and I was calling that game. They got Kelsey plumbed when they were a two seed. And then the year after that, they made it to the Sweet 16 in Bridgeport and lost to Oregon pretty badly. So their tournament success has been limited, although this team I don't think is any of those from what we've seen of them this year. No, I don't think so. They haven't had a lot of duds, which is promising. I mean, their last two losses were to Iowa, who is pretty dang good. Yeah, I mean, Iowa's a two-seed, and they just have probably the hardest matchup in the country in Megan Gustafson. Hardest matchup if not the best player. Because if you don't have someone who can stop a 6-5 center that can really do anything and draws on half of her possessions, then you're probably... Maryland almost did. They're one of the teams that could match up against them. And then still yeah, and didn't she, twice. She got Maryland's entire front court in foul trouble twice. It, it was really something. It was it was interesting. And if Maryland had won that Big Ten tournament final, they would have been the two seed in Baylor's region. We yeah, know most that likely. For a fact. I don't know about fact, but it would have been most likely. They would have been they would have been a two if they had won. I, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't. I think been. so. But whatever the case may be. They are playing Saturday against Radford. They won the Big South. I don't know anything about them. I do know more about Tennessee, that they have not been that great this season. They've had a lot of struggles in recent years. It's kind of been declining quality for, you know, what was the gold standard in women's basketball. I know less about UCLA. But I think if Brenda Freeze is looking at these matchups objectively, she's thinking, all right, we, need, we should get to the Sweet 16. After that, who knows? But I think she thinks we got two home games. I think they're going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, it's just a matter of taking care of business and not let you know another good pack, another decent Pac-12 team get the best of you. Well, I don't know if UCLA has somebody like Kelsey Plum, who is one of the best shooters in the recent history of women's college basketball, or Sabrina Ionescu, or Sabrina Ionescu. Like that was that was the breakout game for Ionescu, who's now top three player. Players in the country. Well, you think about what's happened to Maryland in recent years. It was Kelsey Plum in 2016. 2017 was Ionescu. Last year was Kelsey Mitchell, and this year was Megan Gustafson. They just run into an incredibly hot, amazing player at the wrong time. Except that Mitchell didn't even play super well in the tournament final last year. She was like 7 to 20. I looked this up recently. It's, it, that's, that's the funny thing, but still did enough for Ohio State to win that game. Yeah, Ohio State had more, and Iowa's more too, but if you're going to ask me, I'd take a player like Gustafson or a player like Kelsey Mitchell, just the fact that a well, bad more, game from Megan Gustafson of, um, is 60% from the field, That's insane. Not 30. I mean, I've watched players at, uh, at the women's like D3 level who was like 6'1 and just completely dominate everybody, and then you imagine 6'5 doing the same things at a higher level. It's insane. Right. She's 6'3". Sorry to be... Picky, well, but, it's three, you know. but I mean, she plays like she's much bigger and no one can defend her. And anyway, Justin, now that you're here, uh, what do you think about this draw for the women? And uh, what do you think uh, they might be able to do? Let's say they get to the Sweet 16 against UConn. I'd say that's fairly likely. How do you think they would match up against this UConn team who's pretty good? Not exactly, you know, dominant UConn teams of the past couple of years who were the Death Star. Uh, but still, they're playing a quasi-road game in the tournament against, I mean, UConn, that's going to be a tough matchup for anybody, and this Maryland team, it's no exception. 
Yeah, I think first, I mean, it obviously, I think, bodes well for them to get the Sweet 16. Radford, they're, I just looked this up a few minutes ago. Radford does have some serious height for a mid-major. That's probably an advantage in the Big South. I'm not sure how athletic or mobile they are to play a team like Maryland. I remember two years ago, Bucknell had some size as well. That Maryland just kind of toyed with Princeton, had a player last year was 6'3", dominated the Ivy League, and Maryland really rattled her. So I don't really foresee Maryland having any serious trouble in the first round. Second round is interesting just because, you know, you have Tennessee, a team with a lot of talent who actually has a coach that hasn't lived up to serious expectations, kind of like Maryland, but more legitimate criticism. Um, Again, it's going up against UCLA, who lost a lot of talent from a team last year that's still went to the Elite Eight. But I think if you're Brenda Freeze, you like the fact that looking at UCLA, they don't have a ton of size, which Maryland has size, but Shakir Austin's a freshman and just isn't strong enough yet, and that showed in Big Ten place. So you do you do have to like the way their pod played out. And then I think UConn, that's all year I've kind of said, you know, Maryland or thought that you know, Maryland realistically, Sweet 16 is probably their ceiling with this draw. UConn kind of being the category of the seven team, one of the seven teams I think are going to win the national title in women's basketball, the other six being, you know, Baylor, Mississippi State, Louisville, Notre Dame, Stanford, or Oregon. So you add in the fact that it's in Albany, it's going to be all UConn fans. And there's the possibility that UConn could have the best three players on the floor in the game. You say Samuelson and Collier are first-team All-Americans. Apparently, Crystal Dangerfield has. She could be better than Kyla Charles. It's a really hard matchup. I think the only thing going for Maryland is that UConn is not very deep. They play maybe six players. I think their starters play a lot this year. They don't really have anyone that could come off the bench last year like they did with Azure Stevens. So Maryland does have that working for them, but I just don't know how they – match up i don't know who you put kyla charles on either samuelson or collier i don't know if steph jones could match up with collier and maryland's a team that you know watching the big 10 horn final there was just a split second a minute or two where they kind of lost focus iowa really took advantage and kind of sealed the deal against uconn if you do that even once the same thing is going to happen and uconn even with that being as good as you they're still a team that you know you expect to go far against their coach, the talent they have, and they just don't make mistakes. And you really have to play to a standard that I don't think Maryland's played at all year. They're a really good team, but we, I mean, we did talk about this before the season. Like next year was probably like the group. And I mean, getting to the Sweet 16, not bad. I mean, let's be honest, still two out of three years going to the Sweet 16 is not bad. I mean, they're, they're, this is still an incredibly impressive team, and it's the start of something for Brenda Freeze, not the end. I think. I don't think she's going to mind. I mean, it's like the region, you knew that it was going to be bad because the way that the S-curve played out when they did some of the reveals, the tournament committee uh, earlier in the year, Maryland was always in the region of death as a three seed, and that never really changed. So we'll see. Those games at Saturday, as I said, 11 a.m. against Radford. I'm sorry if you have to wake up early to watch. That's on ESPN2. And if they win, they'll play Monday night. I also would think on ESPN2, but that game won't be at 11 in the morning, thankfully. So you can go to Xfinity Center watch. Go to Xfinity Center watch that, by the way. I know the men's team is probably going to make you sad, but the women are really good, and this is the start of something that could be really, really special next year. Uh, let's get to non-revenue things, Thomas. Uh, what, where do you want to start? I think 
I want to start with the women's lacrosse team because this is this is funny. They beat what was it? Somebody in the Big Ten, fifteen to one. 16. 16 to 1. Okay, I short shrifted Maryland a goal. I'm sorry. Sorry, Kathy Reese. I apologize. Well, they won by 15, so. They did win by 15. Yes, they did. They also beat another top 10 team on Wednesday because that's kind of just what they do. Yeah, that is what they do. Yeah, I mean, they they'd had some drama, you know, earlier this year with their, their home winning streak. They had to go to double overtime twice, but last week they just dismantled Penn, who's, you know, who came in number six in the country, and an Ohio State team that came in six and two overall and beat them six. So they're just really on a roll. Megan Taylor is having a career year, and she's won National Goalie of the Year before. So if she comes close to continuing this, it'll be just it'll be tough for anyone to beat them so ohio state you know how you kind of beat maryland in football 60 to 7 all the time well maryland beats you at the sports that matter and it's women's lacrosse you can't say well, otherwise because it's true well yes but they beat maryland in the big 10 title game last year so we can't quite say that and men's lacrosse, men's, lacrosse men's soccer women's lacrosse and maybe field hockey Honestly, not wrestling, though. Not, not wrestling. wrestling, but I mean, Maryland, Maryland, Maryland is uh, is by all intents and purposes an ACC team when it comes to wrestling, but they're good at everything else. So there you go. So Ohio State, there you go. When you can compete with Maryland in the women's lacrosse field, talk to us. Anyway, we'll, we'll be waiting to hear from them for a while. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. It might be a while for men's, football. Men's <laughs> lacrosse took down another. Men's lacrosse took down Villanova, which was. Villanova went to Yale, defending national champions, and beat them. So to win that game by 10 goals is impressive. Mm-hmm. It jumped Maryland up two spots to number four in the rankings. Uh, on the Diamonds, softball went 4-0 in its first set of home games. The competition has not been very good, but Maryland softball is now 16-11. and as it enters conference play, which is good. And baseball baseball still has a winning record, but got swept by East Carolina, and the Pirates threw a perfect game on Sunday. Oh, did they? Yes. Oh. That was uh, – it's the first perfect game in ECU history, and ECU is a good program, and it's the first perfect game at Turtlesmith Stadium. So, so – you can forgive me for that not was, knowing That was certainly an interesting Carolina thing baseball. to follow and edit. Yeah, it was certainly an interesting to watch, and we'll see if they can bounce back from it. They've got two midweeks and a series that they were supposed to play at Creighton um, on the field where they play the College World Series has been moved to college because field conditions are, have been just horrible in Nebraska all spring, and neither Creighton nor Nebraska has been able to host anything. So that that series will be in College Park. Oh, okay. Seems spectacular. Oh, it is. And one last football thing uh, uh, to mention on this show. It is Pro Day for Maryland that is coming next Wednesday, the 27th. Uh, we might have a podcast before that. I'm going to assume we will. But there isn't really much to talk about at Pro Days other than Maryland players working out. 
best players available. I think for Maryland, Dur uh, Derwin Gray is available amongst others, but obviously I think the best probably is Darnell Savage. I think just thinking about it, it might be the most likely to be drafted. I don't think there's a ton of potential for Maryland to get, you know, higher draft picks like we've seen in recent years with Sean Davis went in the second round and Gawkway went in the third round. Uh, I think a lot of back-end picks, but there are a lot of decent players who could end up latching onto some teams and making an impact. So I guess we didn't talk about this. Darnell Savage had a great combine, and he's he's moved his way up to the second, third round. It really? It's, it must be the safeties at Maryland. It always is the safeties. Yeah, I mean, Savage went to the combine and ran a 4-3 safety. I've never understood why 40 times matter so much at the combine, but then again, NFL scouting is kind of simplistic, so. It's simplistic and, like, randomly complicated when it doesn't otherwise need to be. I mean, if you follow the draft folks on Twitter, you know what I mean? Yeah, they they, they obsess over weird things, and then they, you know, they, are they brush off. They a very interesting group of people. That, that's how... Yeah, that's how we'll phrase it. Um, yes, um, I will. Yeah, Savage is definitely the most likely guy to be drafted. Like he'll he'll 100% be. Could he probably day two? Um, be beyond that, it's it's a little more up in the air for guys like Gray and Damian Prince. But Trey Watson, I think, probably plays his way into the draft, even though he doesn't. He didn't get a combine invite, and certainly a team will take a flyer on Ty Johnson, even. And though you know he wasn't invited to the combine either. As a UDFA, I mean, he could return kicks, obviously, to start, and he has a lot of explosive potential. I mean, if I was uh, running my NFL team that I like, I'd be taking a flyer on Ty Johnson, but I don't run my NFL team. If I ran my NFL team, they wouldn't assign Nick Foles. But anyway, let's not get into that. Uh, speaking of which, you might be able to say hi to Nick Foles in Jacksonville this week, Thomas. God, that would be funny, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be great. It would be just to spite me. Just me. One of the few I people would... who cares about the Maryland Terrapins and the Jacksonville Jaguars as much in the same breath. I would send you an audio. Uh, people, oh, I have friends that would absolutely do that, considering how much I've said I don't like the Nick Foles signing. But anyway... I do like Jacksonville for all I joke about it and how much I joke about the Jaguars being annoying. You will be able to see the, uh, the scoreboards at uh, my, my favorite stadium in the world. Not really, but you'll be able to see the stadium uh, scoreboards there from space. Or when you land, you'll be able to see them at the airport. Mm-hmm. They're big, Thomas. They are, yeah. I mean, NFL scoreboard. It's the biggest really scoreboard in the breed. world. Take yeah. that, Jerry Jones. Now, unfortunately, you will not be able to use the pools. That we know of. Uh, maybe you will. I don't know. The, the, the Jacksonville Coliseum, where the, ga where the games are, are right next door to uh, TIA Bank Field. So you'll have a chance to uh, see that beautiful place. And also where the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp play. By the way, uh, shout out to Scott Kornberg, Maryland alum good friend of mine, now the play-by-play uh, -play announcer for the Jumbo Shrimp. I hope he's at the games on uh, on Thursday. He better be. And here's hoping uh, his complete, his whole week is ruined by it. Uh, I, I hope Yannick Ngakwe shows up and motivates Maryland to play better. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that'll help. I, I, if I was a, uh, if I was fun on that team, I'd be getting Yannick Ngakwe to show up if he's in town. I hope he is. 
Anyway, point being, there's a lot of fatalism, but there's still a chance it could all go very well. And by the time we talk to you next, Maryland could be in the Sweet 16 about to play games in Washington at Capital One Arena. Or they might be out and we're talking about how Mark Turgeon's job is pretty much on the line. Extremes, isn't it? The possibilities are endless. I feel like it could be some weird things in between, but also probably not. Uh, yeah. And, and in the middle, we have to remind ourselves what true TV is. Yep. This is March. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the show. Thanks to Thomas and Justin. Again, join the Bracket Challenge. Uh, get to the, do that until Thursday at noon. We'll be keeping track of that here. We'll have all things covered from the games at Jacksonville and for the women in College Park over the weekend. Until we next speak, and hopefully there are enjoyable games to talk about. No terms.